the enemy in our midst. We are at war. Just before us is the final phase of this war of all wars. The remnant church is being invaded by a terrible power. It's my purpose to startle you, to awaken you in this presentation. But I dare not proceed without first seeking God's help. So let us pray. O God, as we unmask the enemy before us, we realize that the devil will endeavor to make this exceedingly difficult for both the speaker and those who listen. This is why we ask for the mighty power of the Holy Spirit to surround us with thy holy angels so that Satan will not be able to interfere in any way. Open our minds that we may comprehend the final moves of the enemy, that we may be able to be fully prepared in the coming crisis and to experience, experience total victory in thy name. Amen. Now, let us begin with these alarming words found in God's book of Revelation 12:17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Since we are the only church on earth that keeps the Ten Commandments and has the spirit of prophecy, this warning is for you and for me. It's really a wake-up call and is further emphasized by inspiration found in the spirit of prophecy, volume 5, page 537. Quote, the present activity of Satan. Did you notice that? The present? The present activity of Satan in working upon hearts and upon churches and nations should startle every student of prophecy. Unquote. I like the way that Weymouth's translation of Ephesians 6.12 describes this war in unforgettable language. Ours is not a conflict with mere flesh and blood, but with despotisms, the empires, the forces that control and govern this dark world, with the spiritual hosts of evil arrayed against us in heavenly war warfare. Surely this should awaken us out of our sleep, for we are being confronted with wicked spirits, unseen but real, ruthless and deadly. In order to stand successfully against such powers, we must know our heavenly resources beyond any doubt. But we must also know 
all about the enemy, his purposes, his methods, his plans, and especially the agencies he uses to attack us. But above all, never should we underestimate any of his satanic plans. First of all, we should be aware that our day is like the day when Christ was on earth, for he was continually in combat with the evil one, both within the church and outside of the church. Daily, Christ was surrounded by spies who were watching his every move to find something he said or did that might be used to destroy him. This reminds me of my experience some years ago when I was visiting one of our churches behind the Iron Curtain. I was there to encourage our youth to share their faith, representing the General Conference. One Sabbath, as I waited to speak during the preliminaries as the church service began, the elder pointed out three different spies whom he recognized that were in the audience that morning. He told me that they would go immediately to the government headquarters and report every word I spoke at the meeting. Then the elder went over a list of things that I must not mention, such as our church youth organization, or anything that might be misconstrued, such as the second coming of Christ, that might end the reign of the present political powers. He handed me a list of some 18 subjects that I should not mention, or I would be placed on a plane and deported out of the country before the next sunrise. You can be sure that that was one of the most difficult sermons I ever presented. Today, I am again aware of a similar situation. I know that every audio tape and book that I prepare is finding its way to our church headquarters. But what is more alarming they are being gathered by the agencies of Catholicism to use against me. Now, how do I know this to be a fact? In my days of active evangelism, I well remember speaking on the subject of the Beast of Revelation 13 to a packed hall in a Midwest town. At the conclusion, I was shaking hands with the people as they left, and I noticed one lady lingering that she might be the last in line. When she finally stepped up, she said she had been sent to talk to me by the Knights of Columbus. I shall never forget her words. Aren't you afraid to speak as you do? I have been sent here to warn you that we are keeping a file of every sermon you preach and all the printed material you have ever written. Think it over.
and then she walked away. And I'm especially aware today of the latest moves by the liberals within my church as to what they are up to in these days. Lately, they have been attempting to twist the true meaning of the words historic Adventist to something which is an absolute lie. Ever since I was baptized as a youth, I have always believed what the pioneers of Adventism believed and taught as God led them into the three angels' messages as found in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, especially the truths that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is God's remnant church, which is to give a call to those in Babylon to separate and come out of Babylon and join with God's faithful remnant to be ready for the second coming. But now these deluded liberals within my church are spreading the satanic lie that those who claim to be historic Adventists and who are claiming to hold to the pillars of our faith are the very ones who are teaching that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is Babylon. And that is exactly opposite from what the historic Adventists believe. The Bible and the spirit of prophecy clearly teach that our church is not Babylon. Even though we see apostasy creeping in, God will in time, by persecution, cause a mighty shaking that will separate the wheat from the tares. This is what God will use to produce a small remnant who will proclaim the historic teachings in the loud cry, warning the entire world who will make their choice to serve God or continue in disobedience. Historic Adventists believe exactly what the servant of the Lord wrote in the Review and Herald of October 3, 1893, quote, we have never had a message that the Lord would disorganize the church. We have never had the prophecy concerning Babylon applied to the Seventh-day Adventist church or been informed that the loud cry consists in calling God's people to come out of her. This is not God's plan concerning Israel, unquote. And nothing could be more clearly understood. Now, back to our subject. Generally speaking, we expect to find Satan in such places as the nightclubs, the gambling hells, as Ellen White refers to them, and in the brothels and the dope joints. But here is something that is very startling. Satan has found his way into our homes, our Adventist homes, and into our everyday activities. Listen, I hope you're not asleep. The Great Controversy, page 508. 
Satan is intruding his presence in every department of the household, in every street of our cities, in churches, in the national councils, in the courts of justice, perplexing, deceiving, seducing, everywhere ruining the souls and the bodies of men, women, and children, breaking up families, sowing hatred, emulation, strife, sedition, and murder. What a list! If you are awake as to what is happening today, you must agree that this is all taking place. Let's examine this statement more carefully. Notice the words, Satan is introducing his presence in every department of the household. I believe that no true Sabbath keeper will be found entering a theater. Yet, the majority of Adventists are allowing Satan to enter their homes by way of the television tube. I hear someone say, now hold on there, Brother Nelson, what do you mean? Well, let me quickly take you through the index of Ellen White's writings and discover what inspiration states regarding the theater. And believe me, most of television is nothing but the theater. Listen to these topics mentioned in the index. Are you with me? The theater is the most dangerous pleasure resort. It is contrary to God's teaching. It tends to evil. It is a species of idolatry. The imagination is debased. The mind is educated by it. It brings a familiarity with sin. It benumbs the sensibilities. Vicious habits and sinful propensities are strengthened. It educates the youth in crime. Now such are the warnings given to us by the servant of the Lord found in page after page of the spirit of prophecy regarding the theater. But now let me read how this is all summed up in one paragraph found in Testimonies 4, page 652. Among the most dangerous resorts for pleasure is the theater. Instead of being a school of morality and virtue, as it is often claimed, it is the very hotbed of immorality, vicious habits and sinful propensities are strengthened and confirmed by these entertainments. Low songs, lewd gestures, expressions and attitudes deprave the imagination and debase the morals. And listen to this. Every youth who habitually attends such exhibitions will be corrupted in principle. 
there is no influence in our land more powerful to poison the imagination, to destroy religious impressions, to blunt the relish for the tranquil pleasures and sober realities of life than theatrical amusements. The love for these scenes increases with every indulgence as the desire for intoxicating drink strengthens with its use. The only safe course is to shun the theater, the circus, and every other questionable place of amusement. Unquote. Now listen, my dear friends. Here is to be found the answer to why millions within the Adventist church seem to have no desire to leave this world of sin for a better heavenly land. And this is the real reason why so many youth are leaving our church today. They have been educated in the television theater since they were in diapers. And to make matters worse, many of our churches are trying to stem the tide by using the same evils of the theater and bring it into the church by using drama and so-called Christian rock music, which is only accelerating the youth down the path to hell. Now before you call me a fanatic, I must admit I have a television in my home, but I can say before my God, I never look at movies or anything pertaining to the theater. I use the TV for the news broadcast, and occasionally we do look at some wonderful nature programs which can be found on the television program. I hope that you too are able to control your TV. If not, get rid of it as soon as possible. And do not trust your children or your teenagers to make the right decision regarding the use of the television. The temptations are far too great. Let's look at the next statement of our quotation. Satan is introducing his presence in the streets of our cities. I need not tell you that the streets of our metropolitan cities are controlled by thousands of gangs who are engaged in open warfare over territories to control drug sales. I just received some very important news. There are 100,000 gang members in Los Angeles alone and also in the city of New York there are 100 thousand gang members. As a result, hundreds of innocent civilians, including children, have been murdered in their drive-by shootings. And now we come to a real eye-opener. Satan is introducing his presence in the church. I'm reading Christ Object Lessons, page 44. 
Satan and his angels are in the assemblies where the gospel is preached, while angels of heaven endeavor to impress hearts with the word of God, the enemy is on the alert to make the word of no effect. Are you listening? When the pastor is stressing some important truth that if you heard could change your life forever and help you to prepare for the kingdom, suddenly you become sleepy and doze off. Why? Or perhaps a baby cries caused by Satan himself, and this confuses your thinking ability. Why? Listen, friend, what I am telling you is for real. We are at war. Many of us seldom realize that Satan, our enemy, is trying his best to distract us from God's saving truth. How well I remember my personal experience with devils when I was in evangelism. Each night in my evangelistic meeting, two spiritualistic mediums would come early. And as I was preparing the hall for the meeting, straightening out the chairs and doing the details, they would follow me about and tell me the very stories, the names of individuals I was going to mention, texts, and all about the subject matter that I had planned to preach that very night. How did they know? I had told no one, not even my wife. And then I read these enlightening words found in Great Controversy, page 518. As Satan sees the messenger of God searching the scriptures, he takes note of the subject to be presented to the people. Then he employs all his cunning and shrewdness so to control circumstances that the message may not reach those whom he is deceiving on that very point. Why am I telling you all this? because he is trying to deceive you right now while I am talking. Because I am trying to awaken you, to startle you, and to arouse you so that you will flee to God for help. Remember, in the Great Controversy, page 516, I read, There is nothing that the great deceiver fears so much as that we shall become acquainted with his devices. This is why I must warn you of what is to come and even now is appearing. No longer can we believe every word printed in our presses. Not too long ago I sat in my pastor's study with my six church elders. The conference president had come to persuade me to preach differently because he did not like what I was telling the people. He stated clearly that he could find nothing wrong with my theology, but he felt I was divisive 
in my preaching because I was warning the flock of things which were taking place. I replied, Tell me, how come the Pacific Press prints the desire of ages one day on its presses and then on another day they will print a book that is contrary to what Ellen White wrote? For example, I referred to that statement made by Ellen White, which you are well acquainted with, that sanctification is the work of a lifetime. But in the book, Beyond Belief, printed by the Pacific Press, is found this statement on page 104, following those very words, sanctification is the work of a lifetime, and then it states, Satan is pleased to have us believe this error. Now it is interesting to note that the president had brought with him the former president of the North Pacific Union Conference to put pressure on me. I shall never forget what this honest man said, and to this day I admire him for it. He spoke up and said, Brother Nelson, I can answer that question. I am well acquainted with the policy of the Pacific Press, for I was the chairman of the board for many years. The Pacific Press used to print nothing contrary to our beliefs, but the present policy is to give complete freedom to write without censor. I'll never forget that word. To give complete freedom to write without censor by men who are well recognized by the denomination. Therefore, there are books now coming off our presses that contain that which is absolutely contrary to our belief. Did you get that? What a, an admission. And so it is. Inspiration had warned us, and I'm reading Selected Messages 1, page 204. The principles of truth that God in his wisdom had given to the remnant church would be discarded. Our religion would be changed. The fundamental principles that have sustained the work for the last 50 years would be accounted as error. A new organization would be established. Books of a new order would be written. A system of intellectual philosophy would be introduced. The founders of this system would go into the cities and do a wonderful work. The Sabbath, of course, would be lightly regarded as also the God who created it would be allowed to stand in the way of the new movement. The leaders would teach that virtue is better than vice, but God being removed, they would place their dependence on human power, which without God is worthless. Their foundation would be built on the sand and storm and tempest would sweep away the structure. So, as a result, 
We are hearing sermons by men of high rank within the church today who are teaching that there is no sanctuary in heaven with a holy and most holy place and that all we need to do to be saved is to believe. Christ obeyed for us on the cross, and all have been saved by the cross. So, relax. Sit back and enjoy your church religion, for we are all saved by faith alone. But I keep hearing these words from God's book ringing in my ears loud and clear that faith without works is dead. And you know as well as I do that a dead faith can save no one. So let us beware. Every kind of doctrine is blowing today. Satan's purpose is the same as it was in the day of Christ. Then he was determined to crush the life of God's dear Son. He has not changed. His aim is to crush the followers of Christ. This is why God admonishes us in 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And then, again, in Ephesians 6.4. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Oh, how we need the help of heavenly angels every moment of our lives, for we are to meet the commander of thousands of evil angels. If we could only realize the magnitude of what is to come, our family worship would take on a far different meaning. We have been told in the Great Controversy, page 589, Satan has control of all whom God does not especially guard. And in Testimonies 1, page 302, evil angels are upon our track every moment. Let me illustrate. I live in a small country community in Oregon of some 3,000 people. Recently, there were six break-ins by thieves within a couple of miles of where I live, and a prowler who was going up the stairs of someone's home just two blocks away was shot to death. I was checking the locks of my home, and these words came to my mind, found in Great Controversy, page 517. We carefully secure the houses with bolts and locks to protect our property and our lives from evil men. But we seldom think of the evil angels who are constantly seeking access to us and against whose attacks we have in our own strength no method of defense. If permitted, they can distract our minds, disorder, and torment our bodies, 
destroy our possessions and our lives. Think of it. This is what evil angels can do. So this is why I, as a spiritual watchman on the wall of Zion, urges you to know what the devil is up to. In 2 Corinthians 2.11 I read, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Or are we? We are told that the followers of Christ have little know little of the plot which Satan and his hosts are forming against them. Great Controversy 528. And again, his rage increases. We do not realize his power. Volume 1, page 302. And again, while men are ignorant of his devices, this vigilant foe is upon their track every moment. Great Controversy 508. I don't like to talk about the devil, but you can see that it must be done so that we can be awake. In Great Controversy, page 589, even now he is at work. In accidents and calamities by sea and by land, in great conflagrations, in fierce tornadoes, and terrific hailstorms, in tempests, floods, cyclones, tidal waves, and earthquakes, in every place and in a thousand forms, Satan is exercising his power. In the Use Instructor of April 18, 1967, there was a report of a survey that was made regarding floods, hailstorms, and hurricanes over a period of some 26 years. The damage resulting from each catastrophic disaster was astounding, for there was a 2,000 increase for each destructive power over the same period of time. And as for tornadoes, listen to this. From 1916 to 1964, the number seemed to double yearly, and earthquakes revealed an intensity of increase in destructive power of some 700%. And you are, and I are well aware that during the last few years, since the time of this survey that was reported in 1967, we have seen the greatest hurricane ever to hit America when it hit Florida, doing some $30 billion of destruction. And we have had the greatest floods in the history of America. And in Los Angeles and San Francisco, we had those catastrophic earthquakes. Satan's power is to destroy is constantly increasing. Now let me read something from the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 277. Apparently, these calamities are capricious outbreaks of disorganized, unregulated forces of nature, wholly beyond the control of man. But in them all, 
God's purpose may be read. They are among the agencies by which he seeks to arouse men and women to a sense of their danger. And the most tragic news is that the worst is yet to come. We haven't seen anything yet in comparison to what is just ahead. In Spiritual Gifts 2, page 277, are these words, I have been shown that Satan has not been stupid and careless these many years since his fall, but has been learning. He has grown more artful. His plans are laid deeper and are covered with a religious garment to hide their deformity. The power of Satan now to tempt and to deceive is tenfold greater than it was in the days of the apostles. His power has increased and it will increase. Did you catch the significance of those words? Satan's power to deceive has increased tenfold since the days of the apostles? Friend, that's a hundred percent. No, no, that's a thousand percent greater today. This should awaken us to the intensity of the coming struggle. For in order to stand successfully before the devil and his angels, we should be spending a thousand times more in prayer and study than the disciples did of old. In reality, we are only now in what we might call the Cold War. Soon will come the all-out last offensive by the devil in a time of trouble. Listen. In Testimonies, page 9, page 11, the agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. They are strengthening for the last great crisis. Great changes are soon to take place in our world, and the final movements will be rapid ones. Let's take a look at Testimonies 9, page 242. Satan is standing ready, burning with zeal to inspire the whole confederacy of satanic agencies and bring upon the believers of truth speedy and severe suffering. Isn't it amazing that the servant of God, our own prophet Ellen White, told us over a hundred years ago what the world leaders are now telling us, that everything in this world is soon to change? Believe me, as I witness what is taking place today, I believe the serpent is coiling for the final strike against the followers of the Lamb. Now is the time to prepare our hearts by heeding the counsel of God. Let me read it. Ephesians six, thirteen to 18. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, 
and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. And Ellen White verifies this need in these unforgettable words found in the Review and Herald of December 11, 1888. If God has ever spoken by me, the time will come when we shall be brought before councils and every position of our truth will be, we hold will be severely criticized, unquote. Over and over, again and again, she stresses the terrible ordeal that is just before us. In that beautiful book of Desire of Ages, page 121, in the last great conflict of the controversy with Satan, those who are loyal to God will see every earthly support cut off because they refuse to break his law in obedience to earthly powers. They will be forbidden to buy or sell. It will finally be decreed that they should be put to death. Oh, how thankful we should be to our God that he has not left us in darkness as to what is to come, but he has informed us fully with all that is needed to know which was written in the book of Revelation and the inspired writings of Ellen White. As I come to a close, I dare not conclude this study about Satan and his power to destroy without telling you that in Jesus we are safe in keeping in the keeping power of the Almighty. Psalms 46.1 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Not all the power of evil can conquer the soul who trusts in the sufficient grace of Jesus. Stronger is he than a strong man armed. Great is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4.4 4. I close these encouraging words with that which is found in Selected Messages 2, page 108. Not one cloud has fallen upon the church that God has not prepared for. Not one opposing force has risen to counteract the work of God, but he has foreseen it. All has taken place as he predicted through his prophets. He has not left his church in darkness, forsaken, but has traced its prophetic declarations what would occur, and through his providence, acting in its appointed place in the world's history, 
He has brought about that which His Holy Spirit inspired the prophets to foretell. All His purposes will be fulfilled and established. His law is linked with His throne and satanic agencies combined with human agencies cannot destroy it. Oh, praise God. Truth is inspired and guarded by God, and it will live and will succeed. Although it may appear at times to be overshadowed, the gospel of Christ is the law exemplified in character. The deceptions practiced against it Every device for vindicating falsehood, every error forged by satanic agencies will eventually be eternally broken. And the triumph of truth will be like the appearing of the sun at noonday. The sun of righteousness will shine forth with healing in his wings. And the whole earth shall be filled with his glory. Unquote. Let us pray. O loving Father, we praise thy name for such assurance of final victory that was made possible by the sacrifice of thy dear Son. Because he lives, we too shall live, for he has told us that he has all power and he has told us, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us such assurance and courage to be faithful. Amen.
gladly will I toil and suffer, only let me walk with thee. Lead me through the veil of shadows, bear me Then the gate of life eternal 